Hey, what's up, guys? We are so excited that you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can connect and engage with other Grace members around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. I've got one question to start with here today, and I really want you to think about this. Uh, what is your dream? I know it's early, and I know you're like, what do you mean, Pastor? What is your dream? What's, what's the dream that God has put in your heart? What's the dream for your life, for your career? for your family, for your marriage. Let me, uh, let me say a few months ago, I felt like the Lord was leading me in this direction to spend some time talking about Joseph and really this idea of dreams. And the reason is, I think for the last three years, we've been in survival mode. You know, we're waiting for the next thing that we're supposed to do or can't do or next thing, and we're all like, we're just kind of holding on trying to survive rather than dreaming and believing God for big things. And I feel like the Lord wanted us to stir up hope in the people of God, stir up hope in our families, stir up hope in our community, because how many know we serve a God of hope and we serve a God who gives dreams we serve a God who gives uh, dreams to men, to women, to students, to kids, old men, young men, old, excuse me, help me Jesus, somebody pray for me right now, younger females, less younger females, I mean, whatever that, that looks like. But I want to talk to you about dreams because the story of Joseph is a story about dreams. I'll give you the highlight of his story in just a second, but if we were going to ask, what is a dream, I would say it's a revelation from God concerning your purpose. 
A dream is, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, did you uh, see, you know, little people from Mars at, while you were sleeping last night or, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm talking about more than what happened while you're sleeping. I'm talking about something in your spirit, something in your heart that you know is from God and God has put that dream there. It's a vision of where you'll be when God places his hand on your life, where your career will be, where your marriage will be, where your life will be. I think a dream is God's way of saying to us, I see you and I see this in you. Now, I think we can learn a lot from the life of Joseph. And if you've been reading the one-year Bible, uh, you've read the story of Joseph recently, or if you've been reading the Bible in a year, uh, Genesis chapter 30 through Genesis chapter 50 is this amazing story of Joseph. And if you haven't read it recently, I want to encourage you in the next few days to, to read this story because it's really powerful. And, and I think if we outlined Joseph's life we would start it with the birthing of the dream in Genesis chapter 30 through 37. A little bit of background. Remember, Joseph is the 11th son of Jacob. You heard me right, 11. Uh, so he was the 11th son. His family lives in Canaan. That's modern-day Israel. Now, Joseph's family was a very dysfunctional family because he is the favorite Son, His dad treats him differently than his brothers, gives him a coat of many colors. Dolly Parton sang about it. You know, some of you have seen the Broadway show, Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. That's only loosely associated with this story, but that's where the idea comes from. And so uh, at the age of 17, God gives Joseph a dream for his life. And in his dream, he sees his brothers. He sees his family bowing down to them. Uh, and remember, his brothers didn't like him already. Uh, but the dream thing, and he was stupid enough to tell them the dream. Hey, you're going to bow down to me. And God told me, and they already didn't like him. And so the Bible says they hated him even more, so much so that they tried to kill him. Why watch Netflix when you can read the Bible? And so instead of killing him, they sell him as a slave uh, to some traders who are walking through, and he's sold as a slave. So the second part of Joseph's life, I would call it the testing of the dream, Genesis 37 through 46. So Clearly, Joseph is being tested. He's sold to a man named Potiphar, who is a government officer in Egypt. And the Bible says that God gives Joseph favor in Potiphar's house, so much so that Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his house while he is there. But Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph. Joseph refuses her advances, so she accuses him of raping her, and as a result, Joseph is thrown into prison. Joseph spends several years in prison, and uh, he is uh, again shown favor by the leader of the prison, and as a result, is given uh, authority over all of the prison as a prisoner. Now, let me just pause right there for a second, because when you read this story, you're going to see several times that the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. 
that God's favor was on Joseph. And some of us are saying, how can the Lord be with Joseph when his brothers tried to kill him? He's sold as a slave. He gets falsely accused. He gets thrown in prison. I think sometimes we get our faith out of balance and we think that just because I'm serving Jesus means that nothing bad will ever happen to me. And I want to talk to, and maybe it's just one person, but I got a feeling it's more than one. Some things aren't going well with you right now, and the enemy is in your ear telling you because God's not with you, God's abandoned you, you know, you deserve this. And I think from the life of Joseph, we see that God can still be with you, and the favor of God can still be on you, and you still walk through some valleys. But that doesn't mean that God's dream is no longer alive in your life. I feel like somebody needed to hear that. So Joseph's in prison, and two of Pharaoh's, uh, part of his court, so to speak, are thrown into prison where Joseph is. Both of them have a dream, and one dream, Joseph interprets their dreams. One dream is uh, interpreted to mean that the guy is going to be restored to Pharaoh's court, and the reason they're in jail, because Pharaoh had a bad day. You got, the Bible doesn't say exactly what's going on, but he throws these guys in jail. Joseph says, hey, one of you is going to be restored to Pharaoh's court. The other, you, the other one of you, you're going to die in three days. I mean, no, that's the ultimate good news, bad news. So the guy who lives and restored to Pharaoh's court, uh, he forgets about Joseph. Two years pass, and Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has a dream of skinny cows, not the ice cream. Just making sure you're with me. Seven skinny cows rise up and swallow up seven fat cows. And then there's seven uh, stalks of corn that are very, you know, bad looking like famine or whatever. And then there are seven good stalks of corn. So the skinny cows eat the fat cows and the skinny corn eats the fat corn. Pharaoh, none of Pharaoh's court can interpret the dream. And the one dude who was in prison with Joseph earlier said, hey, I remember a guy. There was a guy in prison that interpreted my dream. I bet he can interpret your dream. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph to come and Joseph interprets his dream, which I think is to the third part of, of Joseph's life, which is the fulfillment of the dream. You're going to read about that in Genesis 41 through 50. So Joseph goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him the dream. Joseph gives the interpretation, the correct interpretation. And he says, hey, these seven skinny cows are seven years of famine. And these seven fat cows are like seven years of abundance. Here's what's going to happen. He goes, for the next seven years, you're going to have this abundant harvest. You're going to have the best harvest you've ever had. But it's going to be followed by seven years of the worst famine you've ever seen. And it's going to be so bad after that seven years of famine, it's going to be as if the seven years of, of plenty did not exist. So Joseph says, you need to put somebody in charge of the seven years of plenty and glean some of that extra and put it away to prepare for the seven years of famine. The Bible says Pharaoh starts asking around. He's like, does this sound good to everybody? He's like, that's good. So, jo so Pharaoh says, Joseph, you're in charge. You do that. And Joseph becomes the prime minister of Egypt, second in command to the most powerful nation in the world. He went from the pit to the palace, from prisoner to prince. And the dream is fulfilled 
when two years into the famine, the, everything happened exactly as Joseph said. There were seven years of incredible harvest. Now two years into the famine, Joseph's brothers are starving. His family is starving. They come to Egypt to buy food from Joseph. And the Bible says that when Joseph sees his brothers, he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. Because remember, they thought he was dead. They sold him as a slave. They assumed he was gone. Joseph recognizes them, and instead of taking revenge on them, he shows them mercy. And they're restored as a family. And all of Joseph's brothers, their families, his dad's family, Jacob's family, moves to Egypt, and the rest of the story you can watch by watching the Ten Commandments. That's, that's the fastest summary of Joseph's story that I can tell you. But the whole story is about a dream. It's a dream that God gave to Joseph when he was 17 years old. But the dream didn't get fulfilled until many years later. Here's what I want you to be encouraged with. God is still giving people dreams. God is a God of dreams. And God is going to resurrect some dreams in this room. Just as I'm talking about this right now, some of you, your faith is being stirred up. Your memory is being stirred up. Maybe when you were a child, maybe when you were at a church camp, or maybe, I don't know, or maybe earlier in your adult life, God was speaking to you about a dream, and maybe you've put that on hold, or maybe you even totally gave up on it, but I believe God wants to stir up that dream. I said, I want to be a church full of dreamers. Matter of fact, the, Joseph's brothers mocked him and said, there goes the dreamer. I want them to say that about me. There goes that dreamer pastor. He's always dreaming of some big thing next. I would much rather that than there goes that negative dude. I always believe nothing good's going to happen. I, wanna, I want people to look at you. I want people to look at me and say, there goes the dreamer the one that believes that with God all things are possible, the one that believes if God put it in my heart, he's going to bring it to pass. I may not understand it right now, but I know that God is a faithful God. Somebody say amen. I'm going to go quickly through this because remember, a dream is a revelation from God concerning your purpose. A revelation from God concerning your purpose. So why does God, uh, who, let, let's start with who does God give dreams to? I think from Joseph's story, we see that God gives dreams to imperfect people. Now this is good news, right? Because a lot of times we read about heroes of the Bible and we assume that they're superhuman and they're perfect, but aren't you glad that God doesn't hide the flaws of the people in the Bible? Because Joseph was far from perfect. Look at this. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. What do we call brothers like that? A tattletale. Now, I don't know about you, what did you do to brothers like that when you were little? When mom and dad weren't around, bam! I'm just, I'm just, nobody testify or confess your sin, but this is who Joseph was. He was immature, and he was selfish. 
Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. And they hated him so much they couldn't even say a kind word to him. Imagine Christmas morning. Everybody's getting gifts. You know, here's a new jacket for you. Here's a pair of shoes. Joseph, I just bought everything you ever want. I mean, this, I mean the comparison was just crazy. The, the, the favoritism was so clear, there was hatred there. Now, we're going to get into Joseph's reality show-worthy family in just a minute. But let's focus on Joseph. He's a tattletale. And remember, according to one Old Testament commentator, this coat of many colors that Jacob had made for him, it was the kind that went over, it was long sleeve and it was flowing down on the ground. How I many know you don't work outside in a coat like that? I take that to mean Jacob was saying, Joseph, you don't have to work, all your brothers are gonna work. Put yourself in the place of those brothers. You hate the boy. That's exactly what happened as a result. And so uh, one night Joseph has a dream and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain and suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed before mine. And his brothers responded, so you think you're gonna be our king, right? Do you? Do you actually think you're gonna reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of the dreams and because of the way, watch this, he talked about them. Was Joseph a good guy? Not necessarily. It doesn't appear so. Have you, have you ever seen those reels on social media? You know, oldest child, middle child, youngest child. You guys ever seen those? How many think those are true? All the oldest children think that those are true. But the reality is there's this, there's this animosity. So Joseph is young and immature and full of pride. You know, he could have been nicknamed Sir Braggs a lot. This is the guy that God gives this incredible dream to. So right out of the gate, this story tells us that you don't have to be perfect for God to give you a dream. I think immediately when we start talking about this, the enemy is right there in your ear telling you why you can't dream. I think some of you are watching this right now, or you're listening to this right now, and, and already the enemy's trying to talk to you and say, hey, these, he's talking to everybody else. He's not talking to you. You can't because you're young. You can't because you're old. You can't because of this or that. That is a lie. Joseph's story tells me that God gives dreams to imperfect people and that God gives dreams in imperfect situations. Because if there was a reality show about Joseph's family, how many know it would be the highest rated show on Netflix? Remember, Joseph's dad was Jacob. Jacob was known for deceiving people. Uh, Jacob had multiple wives. Those wives didn't like each other very much. And they turned it into a baby-making competition. I'm not making this up. And the Bible says in Genesis 37, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So in this divided family where everybody's jealous and everybody is, is divided, they all agree on one thing. We hate Joseph. That's amazing. 
little later in the story, we see that Joseph's dream is fulfilled, not during good times, but during very bad times, when the famine is in the world. People are dying from hunger. I think we could make the case that hard times are the best times for dreamers. Can I stop and say, this is the time to dream. This is the time to hear God's dream. No matter what the world looks like, no matter what the next six months or six years or 60 years may look like, it's time to dream, God's dream. Because God gives dreams to imperfect people and imperfect situations. You remember Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time? If you don't agree with me, we'll have a salvation prayer in the end of the message here for wisdom for you. Did you know that he didn't make his high school basketball team when he was a sophomore? Beethoven's music teacher called him hopeless as a composer. Does anybody remember Beethoven's music teacher's name? Winston Churchill failed the sixth grade. How do you fail the sixth grade? And he didn't come become prime minister of Great Britain until he was 62, which means his greatest contribution in history happened during his senior citizen years. Henry Ford, the founder of Ford Motor Company, failed as a businessman and went broke five times before he finally succeeded so that you could drive the Ford that you are driving right now. Are you hearing me today? I think in the last three years, a lot of us have become, we've, we've kind of shrunk into survival mode and God wants us to get into dream mode. I believe God is giving dreams and you know why I can say that? Because the Bible says in the New Testament in Acts chapter two, in the last days, anybody believe we're living in the last days? God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's a promise from the Lord. Joseph was a teenager when God gave him a dream. This, by, this scripture says old people are going to dream dreams. Satan's going to do his best to tell you you're the exception. But I'm trying to, hear, I'm trying to tell you today that God says you are the candidate for a dream from God. And your dream can come true. I want you to dream today. So why does God give us dreams? Write this down. Number one, God, God gives us dreams to give us purpose. God gives us dream. Remember, a dream is a revelation of God's purpose for your life. And so the reason God puts something in our spirits about our future is because he wants to give us purpose. The dream God gave to Joseph was about his purpose for being born. Now think about it. In the dream, he saw his family bowing down to him. What God was showing Joseph was that he was going to become a leader and that God was going to prepare him to become a leader. Now Joseph thought, because everything was bowing down to him, that he was going to be in charge of people that he was going to have authority over people, that somehow he would be a powerful person and he would be a famous person. But how many know, even thousands of years later, we still get this wrong? We think that leadership is about having authority over people. I get to tell people what to do. And I tell you, if that's your version of leadership, you got it all wrong. Because you know what a leader is? A leader 
is the one who serves the most. Now, Joseph was too young to realize this, and all he saw was, hey, I'm in front of everybody, and everybody's bowing down to me. I must be pretty awesome. He didn't quite understand that being a leader means being a servant. At the end of the story, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt to buy food during this famine. Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers, and he forgives them. And he makes this statement that I think is probably one of the most powerful in all of the Bible, maybe one of the most powerful in all of history. You probably heard it quoted before, but Genesis 50 verse 20, Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. This is good news. Joseph said, listen, everything that happened to me, the pit, Potiphar, the the prison, everything that happened to me, your intentions toward me weren't good, but God used it for good. Are you with me today? Later, as God prospers Joseph, his entire family moves to Egypt. And this is what God said to Jacob about moving to Egypt. He said, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt for there I will make your family into a great nation. I don't have time for this, but I I feel the Holy Spirit pausing me for a second. I wanna talk about leadership for a second. Um, If you're gonna lead people, you're gonna pay a price. If you're gonna lead people in business, if you're gonna lead people in the church, if you're gonna lead people in your family, you're gonna pay a price. I like to tell people leadership is not a popularity contest. If you wanna be popular, somebody said, go sell ice cream. But leading people is not easy. Joseph had no idea that the price for the dream to come to pass in his life was all of this pain. And through all of this pain, what was God doing? He was creating character in Joseph, and he was putting him in position to be a leader. If you're walking through pain right now, if you're walking through some junk right now, if you're walking through some valleys right now, maybe, just maybe, it's part. The devil's intending it for bad. I'm not saying it's good, but God can turn it for good. And God can use it to create in you the heart that he needs to truly make a difference in other people's lives. I wasn't planning to say that today, and I didn't say that in the first service, but I feel like there are probably more than one person that needs to hear this. We think leadership is in front of everybody and on the platform, microphone in your hand. Time out. That is not what it's about. It's about serving people. It's about sacrifice. And those aren't bad things. Those are awesome things. Are you with me today? Going back to the message. (laughs) Tommy Barnett said it this way in his book, Reaching Dreams. He says, I believe that everyone will have such a time as this moment that you're able to say something to conduct yourself in such a way that you can change the course 
of history. I think what he's saying is, there's a reason you were born. There's a reason, Ryan, why God made you so good looking with that beard. I'm not sure why he made you a Steeler fan. You can talk to him about that. But that's, you're not. Oh, that's her fault. That's right. But you think about how uniquely God made you and you and you. And why, why, why do I have that, this kind of personality and somebody else has a different kind of personality? Why did I walk through these experiences and this person didn't walk through those experiences? Can I tell you? It's because God has a purpose for your life. You're not a mistake. Regardless of how you were conceived, regardless of the story of your birth, nobody here is a mistake. Everybody here has been divinely created by God on purpose for a purpose. And your purpose is to find the dream that God has given to you and to walk that out. So God gives us dreams to give us purpose. Secondly, God gives us dreams to keep us focused. From the time that Joseph receives the dream, he's 17, until the dream actually comes to pass, he's almost 40 years old. So there's 23 years between the time he has the dream until he sees the dream. And so between 17 and 40, there's lots of zigs and zags on the journey. It's not just a straight line. It's this, it's that, it's this, and all of the way. Part of the journey is Potiphar's house. And remember at Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph. But the scripture says, this is what happened in that story that Joseph refused her. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against who? Against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Why was Joseph able to resist this sexual temptation? It's not just because Potiphar was a master executioner, although that's a good enough motivation. But it was more, it says, it's about my relationship with God. God has given me a dream. Now, while it's not specifically mentioned here in this text, I'm sure that the dream was always in the forefront of Joseph's mind. Listen, when you have a dream, you have a purpose, you have focus. And your focus is on the dream that God has given to you. And you realize that everything else is just a distraction. And it's easier to for you to keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the prize. And it's much easier to recognize temptation for what it is, a dream killer. That's next week's message, by the way. Why, why does Satan tempt us to sin? Yeah, he wants to destroy us. But you know what else? He wants to kill the dream that God's placed in you. He wants to kill the dream that God's placed in us, which means we gotta be careful about the type of friends that we hang around. We should wait to date instead of jumping into boy-girl relationships when we're too young. I'm preaching better than you're amen. 
which is why we don't get sexually involved with other people until we're married, preaching good. Some of you are trying to get victory over a sinful habit and your strategy is, I'm just trying to stop sinning. Can I give you a better strategy? Replace the stop sinning with purpose. Because I have a dream. I have a purpose for which God has called me to do. And because of that, I recognize that this thing, this temptation, this issue is trying to keep me from my dream because I'm going toward what God has for me. The last reason God gives us a dream is because ultimately he wants us to make a difference in people's lives. When Joseph first has his dream, remember he, he sees people bowing down to him and he thinks the dream is about people serving him, but what he realizes very soon is that the dream is actually fulfilled by him serving other people. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream, seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of worldwide famine. Joseph says to Pharaoh, take the proper steps to take advantage of the seven years of plenty, store up the grain to to be prepared for the lean times. The famine starts, his brothers come to him. Why? Because of the dream. What was the purpose of the dream? Watch this. I read this verse, but I left off this part. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph says, I get it. That dream was not about me at all. That dream was about you. That dream was about our family. That dream was about Israel and the saving of many people's lives. Without Joseph being in the position he was in Egypt, overseeing all the food and grain of Egypt, do we realize his family would have died? God's promise to Abraham and his descendants would have been null and void. But God gave the dream to Joseph, why? To save people's lives. If Joseph is not a dreamer, his family dies. If, if Joseph's dream doesn't come to pass, Israel becomes an afterthought of history. I'm trying to tell you that God needs dreamers so he can keep his promises to people. God needs some people to dream because there are people who are broken and who are lost who need you and need your dream to come to pass because the purpose of that dream is to change their life. Are you getting this today? We have to dream. We have to believe God's dream. We have to walk it out. Why? Not for us, but for everyone else. Before we pray, I want to show you a story about a member of our church. Many of you know Jeff Cardwell. Uh, He started a nonprofit uh, group called People Helping People years ago. And over the years has been part of literally changing the world, both here in our community, all around the nation, and around the world. And I asked Jeff to share his story today because it all started with a dream. My name is Jeff Cardwell. I'm a businessman. I'm founder of the People Helping People Network been a realtor, a builder, a real estate developer, spent my career building houses and building homes for other people. Currently, the People Helping People Network is doing work here in the United States and doing work internationally. 
Uh, we've built more than a thousand homes since our founding in June of 2000. Uh, we've distributed millions of meals and uh, all of this was done uh, through a lot of really good people coming alongside of us through the People Helping People Network. But it's been, uh, it's been a great journey and uh, it's really just getting started. Uh, this journey all started with a dream. It was in June of 2000 on my first mission trip with my daughter, Sarah. She was 11 years old. We had just arrived, all the kids were there and uh, they were all in the gymnasium. It was really loud, a lot of things happening all around and I decided to walk outside to quiet area, sat down underneath a tree, uh, met a fellow there from uh, Houston, Texas. His name was Dan Carpenter. Was talking to Dan and his job there at King's Castle was to really help with construction and building the dorms for the men and the women and different things there on the campus. He was telling me the building right behind him had set that way for the last year or so. And I asked him, why isn't why isn't it finished? And he said we were having trouble getting uh, building materials at the particular time. Just really couldn't obtain them, couldn't get them into the country. And it was that moment I thought, well, everything that he's talking about, everything he's asking for, I have available sitting in my warehouse. He get me to a phone, I, I said, I'll get you the material. I'll, I'll help you get what you need to finish this project. And that was the light switch moment for me that really changed everything. I, I always wanted to, uh, be on the mission field. I always wanted to have the opportunity to make a difference in someone else's life. Uh, but I thought, you know, how could God ever use me? I look back that uh, God had me on the training field for 40 years preparing me for that moment. What I found throughout the years that uh, each one of us are uniquely qualified to work and serve others. Whether it's here at home or around the world, we see the same needs here all around us. I mean, there's hunger all around us, health needs, there's housing needs, and there's a lot of natural disasters. All of those different things are very important and they're unique opportunities for each and every one of us to get involved. And so I invite you to really take a look of the needs that are around you. There's a great need across our state and all around us, and there's an opportunities for each and every one of us to be involved in changing lives. So if God has given you a dream of any kind, hold on to that dream. This is an opportunity for God to change your life, but you're gonna change the world around you. You're gonna change the lives of many people. Each and every one of us have this opportunity. Uh, it's just, we've gotta step out in faith. We gotta know that uh, God's given us a gift, but we've gotta open up and we've gotta use that opportunity to step out in faith and to fulfill that dream. Amen. I started with a question. I want to end with the same question. What is your dream? What's God's dream for you in your life? What has God said to you? What have others confirmed? What's in the recesses of your heart that some of you have never told anybody? What's the dream that you had a long time ago, but you gave up on it? What's the dream that right now you feel is broken? It's like it's impossible. God, there's no way God's gonna bring that to pass. Maybe you're like Joseph and you feel like you're in a pit or you're in a prison. I just don't see it. I don't see how God could ever bring this to pass. God brought us here today together for a reason. He wants to restore your dream. He wants you to dream again. Maybe you're here and maybe you're young and 
Or maybe you're like, I'm just so busy trying to survive. I've really never even thought about this. I'm praying that you would pray, Holy Spirit, would you give me a dream? Would you give me a dream? Would you bow your head and close your eyes and right where you're at, would you just begin to talk to the Holy Spirit about this? You might even pray, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this message? What, what's, the, what's your dream for my life? Holy Spirit, would you resurrect broken dreams? Holy Spirit, would you stir up hope in my heart again? Would you, would you give me vision for what's possible? Holy Spirit, I need faith today to believe that what the enemy has intended for evil, you're gonna use for good. Show me that, Lord. Help me to forgive, help me to let go, help me to let go of bitterness and hurt. Help me to realize, Lord God, that people tried to hurt me, but you're gonna use that to make me better, to actually make a difference in other people's lives. Lord, I pray today that you'd speak to students. I pray you'd speak to college students young men and women. God, I pray that just like Joseph, Lord God, you give them a dream, a purpose for their lives. And Lord, I pray they'd be greater than they ever thought possible. God, raise up dreamers in this church. God, may we be able to say, there goes another dreamer. There goes that dreamer. There goes that dreamer. And God, may we be dream makers. May we speak life to those people who have dreams today. May we never be dream breakers who are naysayers, who are always being negative. God, instead, help me to celebrate other people's dreams. Lord, I pray for those that feel unqualified. God, they feel imperfect. Lord God, they feel like there's no way. The enemy's even told them there's no way that God can give them a dream. Lord, I, I pray that they would hear your voice clearly today. That God, you give dreams to imperfect people. Lord, if you gave it to Joseph, you can give it to me. Would you pray right now, Lord, give me a dream. Give me a dream. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Help me to have ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Give dreams for businesses. Give dreams for inventions. Give dreams for vocation. Give dreams for ministry. Give dreams for families. Give dreams for marriages. Give us dreams for our kids. Let our kids dream dreams, we pray. Raise up Josephs in this room. Raise up men and women in this room who are full of hope, full of expectancy through the power of your spirit. That's our prayer, God. That's our prayer, Lord. May we be a people, may we be a church of dreamers. God's dreamers. Heads are bowed, eyes are still closed. If you came to church today, I want to tell you that God's greatest dream for you is to be part of his family. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty for the sin that you committed because that's the price for eternal life. If you have not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, today is the best day of your life to make that decision, to surrender to him and to follow Jesus. 
Following Jesus is a decision, yes, but it's the decision to repent. And that word repent simply means to turn around. I'm not going to go the way I've been going. I'm going to turn and follow Jesus. If you're ready to make that decision today, would you pray with me? Others around you are going to pray out loud to encourage you. But if you're saying, hey, pastor, God brought me here today to hear this message because I need to make things right with God. If that's you, pray with me. Heavenly Father, say it out loud. Heavenly Father, I surrender. My life is yours. From this day forward, I will follow Jesus. I repent from my sin and believe in the cross of Jesus to pay the penalty for my sin and the resurrection of Jesus to give me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Would you give God praise for the power of God to give resurrection today? Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to the Grace Assembly of God podcast so you're up to date on all sermons. Also, if you want more Grace content, make sure you subscribe to the Deeper Grace podcast, where Pastor Wayne will dive deeper into his most recent message. Have a great week, and God bless.